Welcome to Featured Insights presented by Caroline Economic Development. I'm your host, Debbie Bowden. This podcast is for all size businesses in Caroline County and the Eastern Shore of Maryland to learn from experts at the local, state, and national level. We hope that you gain insights that can help your business run more effectively. Welcome back, Dr. Simmons. Thank you for joining us again for Featured Insights. Um, Last time we left off, we were talking about business community and uh, school community and making connections. Um, I have a question I wrote down that I want to run by you. Okay. Um, As a member of the community yourself, and you've served on the county's planning commission, I know you belong to many organizations and civic groups. As a person in this community, what economic development would you like to see for uh, the families that you serve? It's a great question, Debbie. Um, It's a great question. Um, If we look at national statistics, and again, I kind of like working with numbers and then trying to figure out the why of them. Just read this, I think it was today, uh, update came out today, um, that 62.4% of our eligible workforce is actually in the workforce nationwide. It's probably the same here. Mm-hmm. The question that kind of comes to my mind is, why aren't more engaged? Right. But I'd, I'm not concerned about why more aren't engaged in, say, Rhode Island mm-hmm. or anywhere else, but in Caroline County. Why aren't more engaged in the workforce? Because sure. um, it's not always a choice to not engage. And I think that's a, something we have to be cautious of when we try to think of how do we provide economic development and get folks to engage. Again, what unemployment, I think, went down, the latest mm-hmm. update. Right. It's hard to keep going down when there's so many job openings because mm-hmm. um, there's nobody to fill the openings that are there. But again, it's reengaging that workforce. And I think a big part of our economic development in our county has to look at how do we reengage our folks who aren't actively in the workforce. Okay. What's getting in the way of filling opportunities that may exist within the county? So a recent conversation that actually the Human, Caroline Human Services Council, which mm-hmm. I'm a member of, uh, we were meeting yesterday and looking at a lot of data um, from the last, I think last year, from the last calendar year, impacts on Caroline County, from everything from education to poverty to health indices, all of those things. And a big part of conversation coming up was about our folks who have children mm-hmm. and being able to engage in the workforce. And some of the challenges, these are not easy things to resolve today. And I totally get that. Transportation is a huge issue in Caroline County. Yes. Um, We are really long, north-south, very limited transportation options, very, very limited public transportation options. So getting to a place of employment can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. So transportation is an issue. If I don't have a job even not even a good thing. If I just don't have a job, I can't afford the car, can't afford the gas, can't afford the vehicle. Those are challenges that get in the way of actually of economic development. The other component of that, I think, that is an area of opportunity, both in terms of growing a sector of our economy, but also one that is absolutely needed to re-engage more folks in the economy. Since the pandemic happened, Caroline County has lost, I believe it's a little over 40 private daycare providers Yep. in a calendar in about two or three calendar years. Yeah. Uh, we're left with about 60 some licensed individuals for private daycare or in-home daycare. That's a real challenge. 
our birth rates have not slowed down. Our birth rates have continued to be fairly steady. It's true, not a joke. They did go up a little bit during the pandemic. Right, uh, right. But they are fairly average with what the county growth has been for decades, the birth mm -hmm. rates. So the kids are there. Young kids are there. Mm -hmm. We have less opportunity for young parents to have somebody to watch their kids to be able to go to work. If there's not daycare, mm -hmm. you can't work. Right. You can't strap the one-year-old on you, the two-year-old, and go to, to your job. You have to have that opportunity um, for young folks to be able to engage in the workforce by having access to daycare. The part of that, and it's the interesting conversation we had yesterday, really became about the economic opportunity for daycare. But mm -hmm. then came the question of, well, what does it take to start a daycare? And literally, we had a lot of people sitting around going, oh, that's a good question. And you start looking at barriers. Yes. Of what's in the way yes. to start that. So then as a, as a community, then what do we look at in terms of how do we work to reduce or eliminate those barriers? Because critical to us moving forward as a, as a community as a whole is being able to get young folks, young parents into the workforce and meaningful opportunities, which then, of course, changes the trajectory of their future if they're engaged in the workforce. You can't grow a career if you don't start working. Right, right. You can't. You'll, your career opportunity for advancement will cease to exist if you have a child and then do not have a place to take your child for mm -hmm. daycare. Mm -hmm. So all in all, I mean, again, great question. I really do appreciate it. But kind of at the crux, there's this, this double-edged piece for our county to look at. And school system has a place as a community member of Caroline County. I have a place. Every one of us does. But to really look at how do we tackle that issue of transportation mm -hmm. and how do we tackle that issue of child care. Mm -hmm. um, we've admired the transportation issue for a long time. And right. we're trying different approaches to it. Um, and, and it is a challenge to overcome. But those are two big hurdles and barriers that I think once we figure out a way to get past those, we have employment opportunities that are meaningful in the county. Yes. We have employers wanting to come to the county. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Debbie. Oh. Um, and your team and the efforts yes. there. We really have meaningful opportunities coming. But if we can't figure out a way to get those hurdles, mm -hmm. those meaningful opportunities will start drying up because we have a workforce that can't get there. Exactly. That's tenant of number one tenant of economic development. Land is number two. Number one is workforce. Yeah, exactly. So that's very insightful. I think that you've just given our office a, a something to look at, right? Um, so I'm going to look at my production team and look at Kendall Teague, <laughs> who is our business development coordinator. And uh, yeah, let's see what we can do to make it easier for people to understand how to get into the business of providing that private daycare. And that that's going to work with the school system because the blueprint, and I, I failed in our last podcast for you to define that. So if you could take a quick minute to define when you're talking about blueprint, what that means. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's the blueprint for Maryland's future. It was an omnibus piece of legislation, big bill that was passed a couple years ago. That is sort of a decade long roadmap for improving educational outcomes for everybody in Maryland. Uh, the premise is it's based off be making Maryland a world-class educational system. So prior to the legislation being written, there was a uh, blue ribbon commission called the Kerwin Commission uh, that was put together of folks that were really, their purpose was to study 
the highest performing educational systems around the world and then see what could be replicated in Maryland. So that is sort of the premise. It's a 10-year kind of prospectus to get there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, if you hear, hear me say blueprint in my answers, it's because it is a fundamental shift in a lot of the ways we do education. Um, it will be. We are literally in year one. So we are literally at the ground doing baseline work, mm -hmm. and it will be changing the way the school system does interact and does business over the next nine plus years. Yeah, and and part of that, you, in the last podcast, you mentioned the the CTE, the, the career and technology education component, and so yes. that there's there's also a component of that that is looking at uh, um, providing school support education for younger students, right? Yes. Can you touch on that just a little bit? I don't want to go down a rabbit hole sure, no. of that, but it, it's important to mesh it with what you were just talking about, about daycare, because a lot of folks, for good or bad, it's an opinion whether you think it's good or bad, but in practice, a lot of folks have to use the school system as that um, daycare place. So is this younger, is providing education component as part of Blueprint, is that going to be something that's going to be an option to parents and thus to the workers? So, and actually, Debbie, thank you for bringing that up, and I will not take us down the rabbit hole, uh, so I won't go too long on this. Uh, the Blueprint, in its design, they want us to be able to educate, not just us, but working with private providers to be able to educate our pre-K-4, so our four-year-olds, and pre-K-3. And it's built on the premise that there is a mixture of both private providers and the school system mm -hmm. to be able to meet that demand. So what we are seeing in Caroline with there being such a drop off of uh, private providers and that decreasing, by the way the law is written, the school system should, be in a, should work to put ourselves in a position to pick up the kids that can't be picked up through private. The challenge with that, the real challenge, and this is from a uh, taxpayer perspective, Mm -hmm. Probably. Mm -hmm. Our schools were not designed for right. lots of three-year-olds. They weren't, weren't designed as pre -care, or, uh, daycare centers, which is where uh, three-year-olds fall under in terms of licensing. Our school facilities also do not have the space to be able to take on large numbers of. So without the private providers, right. and if it's going to look towards the school system, the school system then has to look at funding opportunities and funding requests along capital requests to literally increase the size of our buildings mm -hmm. or buy, build, buy land somewhere else and build right. new buildings, which cost a lot to maintain. So from a structural piece, it one way or the other for the, ca the county, unfortunately, by the way it's written, the better option really is growing that private partnership right. exactly. and, and private segment. Mm -hmm. um, better off economically um, right. for the county in the long run. Um, as well as better off probably for our kids to have that healthy mix and parents have choice. Exactly. For what, exactly. what works best for them. I think that's that's key to what Caroline County, the folks in Caroline County want. They want to have a choice so mm -hmm. that they can go ahead and take, you know, take their three-year-old down the road to, you know, ABC childcare or, um, and, and then know that they're building that child's education component for getting then into pre-K-4, then then kindergarten on yep. through. So, um, so yeah, okay, so we've resolved daycare. We have not. That was sarcasm. Please don't anybody listen, think that we've done that. But we will, our, our office will start looking into that and building some kind of program so that um, 
we can help those that want to start that mm-hmm. business. This harkens back to what we were talking about before, and that is, you know, the, the starting your own business. There's um, there's education components within the school system. There's uh, courses you can take in Chesapeake. Mm-hmm. There's support that you can get on our side from free webinars and support. And th- running a daycare, it's great to care about kids, but you need the facility, you mm-hmm. need the licensing, you need the capital, you need the employees. It is all business. So that partnership, hopefully, we can start working together and, and put one or two providers out there that can kind of relieve that pressure valve right now. Let's talk about transportation. Um, That's a tough one, right? So the concept of public transportation is based on density. Mm -hmm. It's going to be running a van, running, running a car, mile one to mile five, costs the same mm-hmm. if you have one person behind the wheel or if you have 16 people in the van. And I think that's unfortunate that that's just the way it is, right? And um, it's hard to understand that. I have a background where I came from Maryland Department of Transportation and um, talked about the 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 economics mm-hmm. of moving people and moving freight, et cetera. Um, but that is something that is really um, not just for economic development, but for community development and community sustainability. Mm-hmm. Do you see anything in the school? I mean, wh- what kind of partnerships are is your school system or other school systems doing to, to perhaps help with that, if there is any, and maybe yeah, there isn't? No, that's a great question. Um, I know that we are aware that if we're going to offer any programming after school, if we want kids to attend, We've got to have our buses on the road. We have okay. to utilize school buses. Um, if we want to have uh, meaningful engagement, sometimes at our schools in the evening, some of our schools, depending on their location, um, we'll look to utilize a school bus to go pick up parents to bring them in. Um, sometimes, and we have to be willing to 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 do that if we right. want folks to show up. And unfortunately, that's an expensive venture if. A community is trying to take that on as a model to, right. to move folks. And uh, I appreciate the question. It's something I need to think on more. Um, because you also need school any, bus drivers. Yes. And, and I don't <laughs> know of a model. I don't know of a model in Maryland where a school system has been able to help tackle the transportation issue um, in terms of a public transportation piece. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so let me clarify. Yes. That, uh, I'm sorry. I think the question did come out that way. That's not what I meant. So I think what you said as far as a practice you already have where you will sometimes provide that transportation to the family Mm -hmm. of a student is what I was looking for. I'm not at all suggesting that (laughs) Caroline Public Schools take on public transportation. But it's an easy thing to look at if you're not involved, if you're just a member of the community and you go, well, there's a yellow school bus. With, what, 30 seats, 40 seats, whatever yeah. the case may be, why can't we put people on there? It's because there's a lot more to consider. The cost, the staff, yeah. liability, et cetera. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do – so going back, in my day of high school time, um, uh, when I was a high schooler, you know, we had the bus and then you got your license and uh-huh. kids would, you know, be chomping at the bit to drive a car. You know, we hear that teenagers these days don't necessarily – they're not – chomping at that bit to get their license. Have you seen that just anecdotally in your high schools? I would say I always hear stories of from parents who be like, yeah, my kid just has no desire to go get their license and right. and, and drive. I, I, I hear some of that. Um, 
I, I will tell you that they're not every senior, at least back in my day. Okay, which again, it's been a little while. We had this conversation off the off the, off the video here of, of how long ago that may have been. But like everybody, just you said, we're chomping at the bit to get right. the car, and it might have been the not best. <laughs> you were happy you moved. Um, it did pass inspection, but right. like that was the vehicle, and you know. Anybody who could drive, you you did. Right. Um, I think there is an economic reality as well associated with that now where we don't have as many student drivers. Don't have the numbers, but visually you can see it. Mm-hmm. I know um, when we renovated Colonel Richardson High School, I was principal at the time we renovated, we added a lot of student parking spaces because we were like, I'm, I've ran out of parking spaces every year. I absolutely did for students. So we added all these parking spaces. Interesting. We do not max them out. The school is the same size as it was then. We do not max them out. Wow. So you don't have as many kids driving. You do see, especially around athletics, you'll see the one kid who's got the friends that he's going to take home or she's going to take home because they don't have access to the car. Mm -hmm. Just like our families don't, our kids don't. Right. And then when you factor in gas at, was it 350 a gallon roughly right now? Right. For a high schooler? Yeah. Not even talking insurance costs, which has always been. Yeah. Parents have always complained about the cost of insurance for high school age kids. Right, right. But but we do see that car ownership and the student drivers down. And I think it's a sign of the economic reality of where we are. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to them not being able to then go get that part-time job mm-hmm. or that weekend job because they don't they don't have that that transportation. Yeah. Um, so you, before we got started in recording, you, you shared some interesting information that shows that the level of um, wealth mm-hmm. um, or lack of wealth um, in Caroline County. You want to talk a little bit about that uh, and just what, what, how that gives you heartburn and how maybe the business community hearing this can start to have some impact maybe? For Certainly. Room. So um, what Debbie is referencing, uh, State of Maryland uh, General Assembly passed legislation two years ago, I believe, where they required the State Department of Ed to look at funding school systems um, based on their rate of poverty. And it's not so much that legislation piece that is of concern today, but it's the the way they represented the data, I think, Mm -hmm. is really important. And what the premise it was built on, they broke us down not by county level, but by census track. So the smallest block they could get to granularly from a census standpoint, and they looked at the average wealth in that census block, and then Mm -hmm. they divided the state into five tiers. Um, So each census block was in five roughly even tiers. And for Caroline County, the first version of the report came out last year. The second version just came out. When the first version came out, Caroline County was the only county that had no census tracts in the top two tiers of wealth. This year at the revised version, there's only two counties in the state that have no census tracts um, with wealth in the top two tiers. Mm -hmm. So from a school system standpoint and the way that I look at that and kind of the eye-opener it's been for a lot of us is it gives a different view of our county Mm -hmm. um, in terms of understanding where we are. Most of us, we live and operate in the circles of people who we kind of are around a lot. 
Right. Exactly. So we see who we want to see. We mm-hmm. interact where we want to interact. We don't see everything naturally for maybe how it truly is because mm-hmm. we have a different lens. Mm-hmm. We don't realize how far the reach of poverty is. And in looking at the, the layout of the data, you really did get an understanding, and this is where our conversation point has been, about the access to, um, to wealth opportunity. Right. Within Caroline County, and it makes me makes me wonder about. We have great things here. You know, I love living here, raising my family here. It's where I plan to end my career here, um, and will remain afterwards. Right. It's a great place to raise a family, as we said in the last one. But in terms of those things that generate wealth to be able to do things with, mm-hmm. from a uh, um, tax standpoint, per se. Uh, you can't raise an income tax on a population that right. doesn't have it. Right. You and can't from, get blood from a turnip. You turn can't up. get blood yep. from a turnip. And then the same piece is when you look at that and compare it across, and, and it income levels are very closely tied to property wealth. Right. Very closely tied. And again, when you look at a county such as ours, the property values aren't at the same level as others. And most of the funding that comes in to our county from where we can generate it at the county level comes from property taxes. Right. And again, so thank God I'm not a commissioner uh, because it's a, it's a tough job. It is. You, right. You, yeah. You can't raise property taxes on those who can't afford it. Right. You can't increase your services right. or provide more if you, unless you have more revenue coming in. Exactly. So we're really in this tough spot and where we want to make our county better. We absolutely want to. All of us want to. But that's right. kind of the conundrum of that right. wealth piece of where we are. And I think let's touch on a couple things for just clarity for the listeners. Yeah. So we're looking at Caroline County and compared to the other counties in Maryland. In Maryland, yes. So there is that indices, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then we're also, when you're using the term wealth, you're meaning that as far as an uh, income, um, value of property, value of assets, generally overall. So it's not, you know, a lot of times the term wealth, you think wealthy, and that's not necessarily what you're talking about. I think you shared with me the second tier of this income, um, the uh, the second highest tier uh, would be two teachers who who are are working. So it really points to... um, and, and from that business standpoint, you know, there's there's this goal within economic development to bring in more economic development that fits in with the county, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna, we want to do manufacturing, transportation, logistics, things that our workforce can serve because mm-hmm. we don't have a high-tech workforce. We don't have an academia workforce. You know, we've got people that can do the work in those type of places. And that produces the property income tax. Mm -hmm. And in some of the towns, the things inside the building provides an income tax. And so, you know, there's this push of, we don't necessarily want to bring in more tax, bring in more people Mm -hmm. that puts a tax (laughs) both ways, uh, both meanings on our systems. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not having too much development too fast. You know, we get a lot of folks that don't want Middletown, Delaware, which grew up too quickly in yes. 15 years, Glen Burnie, right, which mm-hmm. is a mess to get through, or even our neighboring um, on each side, town of Easton, 
and what's going on in Sussex County, Delaware. So it, it really becomes that balance. And the best way to do that from an economic development standpoint is to offer the businesses that are already here mm-hmm. an opportunity to put more stakes in the ground mm-hmm. to improve their property, to bring on more of the workforce. So it really becomes that circle. So if you don't have enough wealth to own a car to get to a job of a place that's just added more square footage and more opportunity, then how are we going to kind of get, how are we going to help to put chinks into that cycle? Not going to break the cycle. I don't think not my lifetime or the cycle will change in my lifetime, but how can we help those individuals that want to really that, that see the opportunity that they need mm-hmm. and through the school system, because that's where your families coalesce, isn't it? Yes. Just talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind, about how there's this idea growing um, out of, you know, we talked about childcare and we talked about mm-hmm. transportation, but this idea of helping a whole family mm-hmm. and what that means. And um, answer for you if Blueprint touches on that or if the and how the school system does that yeah. and has done that quite well. No, thank you. That's a that's actually my old old hat I had before moving into this role. So as a school system, we started down this this track and it's the concept is community schools. So we moved down this concept, uh, started moving in this direction probably about six, seven years ago. And it was really looking at the concept of we had students who were struggling and you start to identify barriers. And there might be barrier, barriers uh, to their education that are things that we traditionally have not been engaged in. And we started looking at, um, you know, there's systems in place, but navigating those systems can be a challenge. Yep. So we started uh, training our folks and looking at adding positions that would help with navigating um, those systems for our families. Um, fast forward to where we are now, uh, the blueprint actually has fair amount on this concept and what they are doing is they're looking at rates of poverty in an area, free and reduced meals rates, and they are providing grant funding to schools if your poverty rate is high enough to have an individual that they're calling them a community schools coordinator. Um, but in essence, what that is, that person is that individual who is the hub for families. Gotcha. And their job is not just to serve families with needs, to pull those resources together, but it's also to think about and work with the principal to really make that school the center of where families go for what they need. Gotcha. So we have two that qualify right now, Fettelsburg Elementary School and Greensboro Elementary School, and they're doing a great job in this work. They're schools that already had great community partnerships, but it's helping really bring in more supports and services. And as the blueprint moves along, they lower the bar for poverty rates each Mm. year. They move it down. Okay. Uh, The lowest it'll stop at is 55 um, but if the trajectory were on for Caroline County Public Schools, all nine of our schools will meet that threshold within the next probably two or three years. Okay. So all of our schools will end up having a dedicated person to be able to help do this work uh, because we are the place. Transportation is an issue, Debbie, and we've talked about that. So we know not every family can get to, say, Denton, mm-hmm. where there's uh, Chop Tent Community Health, or they can't get to the, uh, to the center in Fettelsburg but I may have a family in Preston or outside of Preston or between uh, Denton and Fettelsburg who can't get to either one. Right. So we start looking at putting services in at, say, Colonel Richardson High School. So we have a great partnership with Chop Tank Community Health. 
funding under this program also helps them be able to staff it after school hours if need be, right. run clinics on weekends if need be, to be able to try to find another way for families to come get served at the school mm-hmm. to help us tackle the transportation issue. We're not there yet, but you can tell we're already making plans because exactly. we know the funding is going to be coming soon. Right. So we're already building that pipeline to be able to do that to help our families, um, really, because the transportation is going to be our challenge. Our next step, you'll hear it first, uh, we'll be working together uh, with economic development because the other thing we need to figure out how to do is how do we use our community schools with our businesses to help provide a training space yes. for families, for workforce-eligible population? And if there's a way, we're looking at how can we provide sort of that space for someone to watch children in the evenings, program something in the evening while parents might be in another part of the building with workforce development, Literally, you're hearing it first. Like, these are the conversations we're working on Yes. to try to figure out how we can do this to help serve our towns Right. when that transportation issue is so prevalent. I think that's a great time to end. We'll, we'll bring yeah. you back. Thank you so right. much, Thank Dr. You. Derek Simmons. You know, the school is such an important part partner. You've highlighted that in so many great ways today over the two episodes. We appreciate it. We'll be back and we'll be in touch about working with those community schools and bringing the businesses in. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Featured Insights and look for us on your favorite podcast platform.